you invite your presence here, Lord. Just come and sow into our hearts this morning, God, in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Good morning. For those who don't know, my name is Dave, and I'll be preaching this morning. Okay. Well done. Your short-term memory is excellent. And I want to talk about the truth this morning. And the title of my message is Living in the Truth. And I want to look at how do we find God's truth? How do we know God's truth and discern from lies? And how do we keep God's truth and walk it out and live in it? And it's important to us because we're constantly bombarded from every angle, from the media, from the news, with information all the time. And it's actually quite difficult to know what is the truth in these times. And going into the end of year season break, as Matt was saying, what do you do when you're on holiday? Well, you might watch a movie, or you might listen to a podcast, or you might read the news. And in all of that, there's opportunity for the enemy to come in and just sow something different from God's truth. And God's done amazing things. He's set us free in many areas. He's done miracles this year. I want to make sure that we stay in the freedom that God's got for us right now, and we take that freedom into this holiday period. We don't come back caught up or bound up in anything from this time that we're going into. And so in terms of looking at the truth, we find it in the Word of God, and so we're going to start there. John 8, verse 31 to 32. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples, but also to Jews that were in the, in the area, and to a group of people, and he says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, other translations say, if you continue in my word, if you hold to my teachings, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The world loves to quote that, the truth will set you free verse, this is where it comes from. It is biblical, it's what Jesus said, and breaking that down to three parts, he starts off by saying, if you abide in me, he's talking about a continued relationship with Jesus. He's not saying this once-off thing. Do this once-off thing, and you're free for good. It's your get-out-of-jail-free card. It's if you continue to abide in me, and you continue to walk out of relationship with him. You are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth. And I want to ask this morning, do we know the truth? What is the truth you hold to? When things get hard, when things get difficult, what is the truth that you listen to in your life? And finally, the truth will set you free. Jesus said that I have come that we all may have life and have life in abundance. And I don't know about you, but I want to live in absolute freedom this morning. I don't want there to be anything that holds me back. Even this week, God tested me on this as I was preparing for it. And he showed me areas of control or areas of fear that wanted to come in. My whole family was sick for like the week. And I was like, Lord, can it not be another week when I'm not preparing to preach? And he's like, there's an area of freedom I want to bring in. You've got to trust me and trust in my word in this. And so I'm trusting for real freedom this morning as I share on this. It's not always easy, though. Whenever God wants to bring freedom and truth, there's opposition, even in our own hearts. And if we look at the next verse from verse 33, this is what they responded to him. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? I love this response and how quickly they've forgotten. I mean, hello, 430 years in Egypt, 70 years in Babylon. I mean, has a whole generation just forgotten the slavery they were in? And this is their response to God saying, I want to bring freedom into your lives. And we can be the same. Even this morning when I talk about greater areas of freedom, you might be, I'm free. I don't need freedom in any area. And Jesus was not talking about physical freedom here. He was talking about a spiritual freedom that he wants to bring. A freedom from the snares of sin and other things that want to bind us up. Then it goes on from there. And he says, this is his reply to them. Verse uh, 34. I tell you the truth. 
everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And this morning, a truth I believe God wants to bring is he wants to establish us as sons and daughters in his house. That we're not slaves to sin. We're not visitors who come in on a Sunday or a Wednesday. We are sons and daughters in his house. And we will continue to experience this freedom as we live in that place and that revelation. And so it's so key that we get this and we understand it. The Word of God is our foundation. It's what we build on. It's the consistent thing we look to in our lives. And I don't know about you, but this year has been a crazy year. It has been up and down, full of amazing highs, crazy lows, and no one knows the emotional roller coaster of what this year has been like as much as South African sports fans. Especially if you watch the rugby. I mean, we beat uh, France by one point. We beat England by one point. As Howard Fivey put on a video this week, why do you need to win by more than one point? You know, it's efficient. That's all you need. Anything more than one point is just a waste of energy. I don't know if it's worth the emotional burden that comes with it, but he is right. And then we won the World Cup, which is amazing. And then we had the Cricket World Cup, and we're doing so well, and then we crashed and burned. And just when you're getting discouraged, though, I heard some good news, all right? We're just starting to celebrate. We apparently won the World Sheep Shearing Competition. (laughs) And we beat New Zealand, which has more sheep than people, apparently six to one, which is a real achievement. And also, to be encouraged, we won the World Championships for Beekeeping as well, which I heard from Matt. So I thought that was pretty sweet. And gold panning. And so there's lots to celebrate. But I don't know about you, but coming out of the back of this, it was amazing to sit and watch the World Cup rugby together and be part of a sense of, like, there's a unity, there's an excitement, there's a joy. But if I'm honest, before each game, I was looking forward to it so much, it became my highlight almost for the week. And after it was over, I was like, what do I have to look forward to? You know, what's the next thing to entertain me? What's the next thing to get together and be excited about? And you might have followed um, the rugby or the cricket or the beekeeping, depending on where your passion is. But I felt God saying to us, you know, are we following Jesus with as much passion as we followed the Springboks? Are we walking with him with as much passion? Are we as excited about coming to church on a Sunday morning and seeing what God's doing as we were about watching the Rugby World Cup together. And I want to say God wants to stir that up in us this morning again, that we would have such an excitement and a joy to get together in community and spend time together. Karen said to me the other day, he said, Mom, Dad, are we in this community? Because this feels like family. And I was so touched by the fact that our daughter's got a sense of the importance of community around her and family around her, and I want us to live in that place. And so we get there by following Jesus passionately. And Jesus says in John 14 verse 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus is truth. If we're following him, he's leading us into more truth. He's leading us into more freedom. And I want to look at what does it mean to follow Jesus? And God gave me a picture for this. We had a couple staying with us before 412. Amazing couple lead crowded house in Namibia. And they shared a story, which Andrew shared as well, at leader's time. And basically, they were staying in Zambia at the time. And he owned a small microlight plane. And he was traveling from somewhere with his family. And he got the time zones wrong. And he thought, he took off. And he thought, okay, it's this time. And actually, it was much later in the day than he thought it was. And as they're flying, they're about just over halfway through the trip. The sun started to go down. And um, he realized they're going to be flying in darkness. 
And, as, and he realized it was too late to turn around and go back where they were, so he's just got to keep on going. And about another hour into the flight, it was just black. And in Zambia, there are no lights. It's complete darkness. You cannot see where to land. And he starts to worry, are we going to crash? I've got my family with me on the plane. He starts to think of, must I look for water? Must I get to the ocean? Is it better to crash in the ocean than to crash in a forest? What am I going to do? And he just prays, Lord, just help me in this moment. Like, I'm desperate. Like, you've got to make a way. And a short while after he finished praying, in the darkness, he saw these lights starting to come on, two, four, and clearly plotting out a runway. And so he realized this must be a runway, and he steered his plane, and he turned towards, and he went down, and they managed to land on this runway. And as they got down, and they landed, and they were like, thank you, Jesus. People came to him, and they started, the, the guys went past him, and they started putting out all these gas lights that had been put out along the runway. They went and started extinguishing them as they landed. And so the guys came up to him and said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, didn't you put these lights out for me? And they said, no, they're part of a resort. And they said the, one of the tourists had a medical emergency, and they phoned for this plane to come out to them on an emergency. And she had recovered, and they had canceled that flight. And they laid out these lights for this plane that was due to arrive, and they were just going to switch them off when he saw the lights, and he landed in this runway. And isn't that a wonderful example of God's provision and God's goodness in the darkness and in the times when we really are desperate for him. And I love that picture. It's very faith-building. And I think that's an example for me of how do we follow Jesus when we're in the darkness and we're crying out for help, he will make a way. Sometimes, though, it can look like this. You're like, God, I'm in the midst of exams, or I'm in the midst of a terrible time, and I need you to make a way. I just see darkness everywhere, and God's like, I've made a way. You're like, "Is is that the only way, God? Like, surely... Is there, not another, is there not an easy option? Is there another way? And we don't always want to follow the way God lays out for us. And often he's saying, this is the way. It doesn't mean it's the easy way. It doesn't mean it's always the safest way. But it's the way Jesus is laying out for us. And I want to challenge us this morning. Are we following Jesus' way in our lives? It will lead us into truth. It will lead us into the light. But we've got to be brave and we've got to have the boldness to follow that way. The problem with truth is it's not always easy to discern what is the truth. We're often influenced by what other people believe and what other people think of the truth. And you might be influenced by what your parents believed or your grandparents believed. And back in the day when England closed its embassy in Libya, Muhammad Gaddafi was so upset with this decision that he ordered that England be removed from all of the maps in Libya. And if he had had his way, if you were a student growing up in that time or a scholar you would have grown up believing there was no England in the world. And that was the effect of one man's anger and brokenness and a lie he wanted to bring in that would have changed an entire nation. And maybe it's the same generationally for you or your family where someone's spoken a lie or kept telling you a lie and you've actually started to believe that lie. And it's not the truth. Obviously, England exists, but you could have grown up believing there's no England because of that guy's lie. And so we need to work out Are there any lies for our generations that we've been taught, that we've grown up believing, that actually aren't the truth? Just because people believe in this public public opinion doesn't make it true either. Back in the Middle Ages, a lot of people believed the earth was flat. In fact, if you went to Average Joe on the street and you said to him, Hey, bro, do you think the earth is flat? And he's like, of course it is. I mean, all these explorers, they never come back. They're obviously just going off the edge. And that's the end of it. And you would have walked around believing the earth is flat. Some people still do today. I'm not going to get into that. But we're constantly fed a fake truth. And social media does this. Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, whatever. It sells you a truth that is fake. And if we can't measure it against something, we won't know. Just like bank tellers, when they get given an original banknote and the counterfeit, they spend years knowing what is the true original and what's the counterfeit. And we need to do the same. And so thankfully, we do have the truth. And it's the Word of God. It is the only measure as Christians that we have to measure the truth that we are being fed. Not on feelings, not on opinion, not on our own thoughts or dreams. The truth is in the Word of God. And that is our measure. It's like if I mentioned flying earlier. If you're flying a plane and you can see the horizon and it looks easy and everything's going well, no problem. But as soon as the fog comes in and you can no longer see that gyroscope that is calibrated to give you a horizon that the pilots look at, it can be completely dark, it can be completely foggy. That gyroscope shows you the horizon you're aiming for. It's the same as the Word of God. We follow it as our truth and we spend time in it. The problem is we have an enemy that wants to deceive us. And even with the Word of God, he wants to twist. He said to Adam and Eve, did God really say that? I mean, God was pretty clear. Do not eat from this tree or you will die. I mean, it does not get more clear. And yet, he still decided to attack Adam and Eve and say, did God really say that? He twisted it. And so that is an absolute truth God gave to them, and yet they believed it. And so we mustn't think we're above being deceived by this enemy. John 8 verse 44 says, he is the father of lies. And we need to be constantly vigilant about what lies he wants to bring. And often it's very subtle. The lie comes in a form of something attractive. It's something you want. I remember, and I'll confess, a few uh, years ago, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw one of these Facebook ads, and I know I shouldn't have stopped, but I did stop. And there was this guy standing there, and he's in pretty good shape, and um, doesn't look like he's got a single ounce of fat on his body, and he's holding in one hand a salad, and in the other hand, he's holding a pizza. And he says, what do you think I'm going to be eating tonight, the salad or the pizza? And he goes on to say, well, it's not the salad. And he said, it's going to be the pizza. And the next like, video you see of him, and he's standing there, and he's holding like six hamburgers, and he's saying, today I'm just going to eat these burgers and follow my program. You don't need uh, cardio. You don't need these things. And I was sitting there, I was thinking, something doesn't seem right with this. Like, um, I started to work out, there's a problem here, and I had a decision to make in that moment. Do I sit and continue to watch this, or do I go... and do something productive with my day. And of course, I was so intrigued, I thought, well, I'm going to sit and watch this. (laughs) And so he started going on about lycophates and mean rest times and fast twitch fibers and muscle glycogen, and I was like, I was so confused by the end of it that I knew something was wrong, I just didn't know what was wrong. And I actually went and I checked a whole lot of other videos debunking it, and he kept telling you, these are all the things I can do for you, but he never told you what he was going to do. You had to buy his program. And he got proven to be fake at the end of it, and it was a whole fake program, and, and w- like what he actually was selling wasn't the truth. But there was something in me that was, I want that. I want to eat pizza every day, or hamburgers, and not do cardio, and look like that guy. Like, I want it. And the more like, unrealistic he made it, the more I wanted it. And that is what the enemy does when he's selling you a lie. He'll say, you need to have this thing. You need to have that amazing house or that fancy car or this education for your kids or wear these clothes or have these friendship circles. You need it. And he sells you a lie. And I can tell you the good measure and litmus test of it is when you want something so badly 
stop and say, why do I want it? Does it tie up with the word of God? Why am I attracted to this thing? And we need to stop in that moment and we need to cut those things off because the, the world is trying to sell us something and it will keep trying to sell us. And you know what? We buy it. We need to change our point of reference from what people think we need to what God thinks. Romans 1 verse 25 says the following. And this is what happens when we believe these lies. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. When you go on social media, what do you see? Do you see people honoring Jesus or honoring God? Or they're honoring themselves. Is it all selfies about me and my life and how this must look? And you end up worshiping yourself and you worship created things. And then we get trapped and then we get stuck in our sin and we wonder why can we not get free? The good news is, is Jesus made a lot of absolute statements we can hold to as Christians that we know is the truth. And one of them is Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He bought freedom for us at a cost, and it cost him everything. But we can walk into that freedom, and we can experience that freedom, not just once off, but always, as we follow Jesus. John 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. And that is a truth that we hold to, that we will have eternal life through our following of Jesus. But he does say, abide in me, continue in me, Listen to my word, otherwise we can get caught up again. We need to replace the lie in our life with the truth of the word. And so how do we do this on a daily basis? Right now it's easy, hopefully, as you're listening to me. God's wanting to bring the truth and you're encouraged and you're thinking, tomorrow I'm going to do that thing. Tomorrow at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whenever you get up, I'm going to spend time on the word of God. I'm going to get to know the truth of God. I'm going to do all these things. And you have a bad night's sleep, the neighbor maybe has a party till 2 a.m. or the kids are awake and you wake up at like quarter past seven and you're late for work and Monday starts like that and then Tuesday's a write-off as well. And before you know it, you've fallen away from it completely and not spending time in the truth and the Word of God. And so I want to encourage this this morning, let's make it a discipline to spend time getting to know the Word of God. And Matthew 13, I want to go through that, shows us how do we receive this truth well that God wants to sow. And this is a parable that Jesus taught about salvation and how we receive that word of salvation, but I think it also applies to us in how we receive his truth and how do we apply his truth. And so Jesus is uh, sitting by a lake and then a large crowd comes and it goes from verse 3, then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Next verse. <clears throat> okay, I think we might have missed something there. Farmer went out to sow his seed. Verse 4, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And this is an example of God's word coming out to us. And right now I want to ask us, how do we receive God's word? Do we dismiss it immediately? 
Do we let it settle on us? Do we let it apply and grow into more? And so Jesus goes on to explain how that looks. Sorry, from uh, verse 18, he then says, Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. For some of us, God may bring a word and we can quickly dismiss it. Or the enemy comes and says, that's not true. You don't need that word. And it's gone. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. There are times where God comes and encourages us. Even this morning, yes, I want to go and do that. But then when persecution comes, it says in the next verse, But since he has no root, he only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Let us not be those people where when times get tough, we fall away from living out the truth and the word of God. There will be persecution. Jesus says there will be times of trouble. And how do we see that trouble? With joy? Or do we turn and run from what God's told us? We need to hold true and let that word go deep. Then it says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life. Sometimes worries we create for ourselves. How am I going to finance that, that car I want or that house or what's going to happen with my job? And the worries consume and they choke the word of God. And we want the word of God to be stronger than the worries and burdens. We need to give it back to him and say, Lord, I trust you're going to provide in all these areas. And then finally, but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. And that's my I'm trusting for each one of us this morning, that there will be such a fruitfulness in our lives as we follow and apply the word of God that we will just walk into freedom and abundant life and joy. No matter what circumstances we're facing, it will not be drowned out by the truth that's in our lives. And so God's constantly sowing seeds, and I want us to be open to what seeds he wants to put into your life this morning. The reality is, especially for the young Christians, is that the enemy's plan is to take you out while you're still young in the faith. We saw this with Moses in the basket. We saw this with Herod when he wanted to kill all of the babies. He's got a plan to take you out when you are young in the faith. And so I want to encourage you, if you're still new in the faith, let these take root in your heart. Let them grow into more. Don't be swept by any wind of doctrine that comes. It's important to us to know the truth because ultimately it affects our actions, shapes our eternity, and how we experience life. And so I've got five ways in which we can allow the truth to grow in your life. Number one, change your perspective of truth. How do you see God's truth? Do you see it as something that limits your freedom or something that takes you into greater freedom? Do we see it as a slinky, you know those things that used to roll down the stairs? That the truth is, you know, it's flexible, it's bendable, I can manipulate it to what I want, it entertains me. Or do we see the truth as a rock that is solid in our lives, that we hold on to? Do we see it as immovable, like the lighthouse that's directing us and giving us light? As we change how we see the truth, it will change what we believe about it. Number two, we need to apply the truth in our lives. And that means doing the basics every day. During COVID, when we were doing full lockdown, couldn't go to gym, couldn't leave the house, couldn't um, go out to go for a run and get exercise. I remember I'm with Virgin Active. They sent out all these videos 
um, all their workout videos. And you would have been so proud of me. I watched every single video. And yes, I might have been sitting on my couch eating popcorn or ice cream. But I ticked the box and made sure I watched every video. But for some reason, I wasn't getting into better shape. And until we apply the things that we've learned and take that information and translate it into the hard task of I'm going to do this, we won't see change in our lives. It's like building a spiritual muscle, and we need to be doing it. We take forgiveness, worship, quiet time, spending time with Him, walking in the light. As we do these things, we build our spiritual muscles, and it leads us into greater freedom. And if you're wondering why you're trapped, why you're caught in these things, I want to ask, are you doing these things daily? Are you applying and practicing the truth that God's given us? There's a lie that is out there of one day I will do it. Even for myself. You know, one day I'll live all out for Jesus. One day I will achieve this. One day I'll even give my life to Jesus. And the problem with that is if you die today, that's the truth you're believing. And it's a lie. We saw this with Ravi Zacharias, one of the greatest apologists of our time, who would see thousands of people saved. And he had such a way of sharing God's word but he died in a place of sin. He, dis- he died deceived, and what was going on in the background was not what he was preaching. And if that can happen to him, it can happen to each one of us. We must guard against thinking it can't happen to us. We're led by the Spirit, John 16, verse 13, number 3. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Just that picture again of that plane coming down. The Holy Spirit guides us in the darkness to the truth of Jesus. And we just need to listen to his voice. We need to hear him. Don't shut him off when he's trying to convict you of sin or he's trying to lead you into different areas. Follow him. Number four, speak the truth to each other in love. My boy Liam does this very well with me. He's still working on the love part. But if um, we're building Lego or making a tent, we'll be, you're doing it wrong, Dad. And, I'll be, and I'm totally secure in my Lego and tent building abilities. But I value the fact that he actually feels he can speak freely to me. And the other day in the car, he said, you know, Dad, sometimes when you say this, it comes across like that. And I was like, you're right. Thank you, boy, for speaking that to me in love and in truth. And so we need to learn to not to be afraid to speak the truth to one another. Even with our kids, sometimes we want to... Like, dumb it down a bit, you know, you see these Bible murals on the wall, and there's a painted picture of, like, Noah's Ark, and all the animals are happy in the boat, and everything's fine, and you don't tell them, everyone dies, and the flood is coming. And that's the truth that we need to also share with them, you know, there's, there's a result, and there's a truth that comes in the Word. But, encourage one another. Don't be quick to take offense. I used to joke with Ryan Kingsley was here. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm okay. I'm still working through the unforgiveness of you not inviting me to your wedding. And he said, Dave, we only met four years after my wedding. And I said, Ryan, that's not the point. Don't deflect. And the reality is sometimes we even look for things. You may not get invited to every single birthday party that's out there. It's a good thing. It means you've got time to spend with others and time to to not get caught up in these things. Be quick to let go of a fence because unforgiveness will tie you up. Walk in the light. Number five, Jesus made the light available to us. Do not stumble around in the darkness over these things. It says, confess your sins to the Lord and to one another 
and be quick to do so, and there's a freedom that comes in doing that. Number six, exchange the lies in your life for truth. It's not true because it rhymes or because someone posted it on Facebook. It's not true because your best friends believe it and so many others. It's true because it's in the Word of God. And there are times in the Word we see where they said to Moses, you'll never take the promised land. Or David's brothers when he came to bring food. And they said to him, what are you doing here? You count for nothing. Go home again. And imagine that David in that moment had been, you guys are right, you know. I'm, I'm no good. I can't add any value here. I'm going home. How would all of our destinies have looked if David had made that decision in that moment? But he didn't. He trusted in the Lord. And he saw a breakthrough. And I'm trusting for that breakthrough for each one of us. That when that lie comes, we will disarm it and disable it and we'll apply the truth. But with David, later on in his life, when he's at home at the palace, and it says when kings were out at war and he was at home, that's when he fell with Bathsheba. And so just because you have had victory in the past doesn't mean you're going to walk in that victory now. You have to constantly be walking in that. And so what I want to do is I want us to take a moment to actually allow God to come and sow these seeds of truth into each one of us. And I've identified a whole lot of lies that I think. This is not all inclusive. There may be others. But I'm going to read them out. And I want you to just dwell on it and be, you know, God, have I built my house on any of these lies? Am I living in any of these lies? And it's not to condemn, it's not to judge, but it's something to just say, Lord, is there a lie I'm currently believing that's holding me back in my freedom? And so just let God come and work in your heart as I go through them. No one loves me. God loves you. I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone. God's put me into family. God can't forgive my sin. It's too hectic. No one can ever know. God wants all men to be saved and forgives all sins. We've seen lead elders get up front and confess sin at the gathering in front of thousands of people. You can confess and God can forgive. Sin is not a big deal. Sin leads to sin, leads to death. I'll never walk in my calling. God says, I equip the cord. One of the other big lies. This is my identity. This is what I've always known. God has given you a new identity. He's made you a new creation. Do you believe that? Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that about others? I have to earn grace. Grace is a freely given gift from God. I'm too tired for this life. God says, I will give you rest. I have nothing to say or add to the body. God has given you a voice. One day I'll do this, Jesus said. Pick up your cross daily. God, the situation's impossible. He says, all things are possible. And my past defines me. I'll never be able to change. And God says, I have a future for you. A bright future. And so maybe Abel and the worship team can come up. And I just want to, <clears throat> I just want to take a moment to, to evaluate and for each one of us to look and say, well, any of those truths, do they apply to me? Is there any lie I'm currently believing that I need freedom from? We think that the truth limits us. It limits our freedom, but it doesn't. 
The truth protects us, often from ourselves. It provides wisdom. It comforts us. It brings life. Jesus wants us all to walk into freedom. And so I want to end with the truth again that I read at the beginning. That Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching and you really are my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And let's just close our eyes together and let's just really listen to that word. Do we believe it? Do we believe God's got complete freedom for us this morning? I want to pray for us. Lord, I want to pray that you would come and open every heart this morning, God. Even to the things we don't want to see, to the lies we've maybe believed that has held us back. I want us to be 100% real with ourselves and be, am I living in everything you have for me? Am I still passionate about you? Am I living everything for you? Because today it changes. Today I want to walk into freedom. Today I want to walk into your truth, God. Come and do that in us this morning, Lord. Maybe some of you have come here this morning and You didn't know that there was abundant life available for you. You thought, maybe I'm going to be stuck in this plane in the darkness forever, and God's never going to make a way out for me. And God's saying, I'm providing a path to you, and that path is Jesus. And you've never had a relationship with God or Jesus before. And if that is you this morning, because of sin that's kept you from knowing him, I would love to give you an opportunity to respond and be, I want to choose that path to Jesus. I want to commit and give my life to him. And so with every... Eye closed and every head bowed. Won't you respond to Jesus? He says, says he knocks, stands at the door and knocks. And if you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning, don't you want to just lift up your hands so I can see? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.